Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today we are going to talk about justifying food, labeling food as good or bad, and actionable tips to start making more guilt-free choices around what you eat. And before that, I want to give just a little life update and ask you to do something for me. I absolutely adore putting this podcast together. It's so much fun. I so appreciate when you reach out and you tell me that you loved an episode or you write to me and just say like, I've been binge listening. You have no idea how good that feels. And if you could take a moment, if you've listened to this podcast before, if you could just take a moment and leave a rating on Spotify, super easy to do. You just tap the little stars um, and leave a rating right there. If it's five stars, amazing. If it's less than that, um, I'd love to hear what I can do to make this podcast better for you. I have also added a link in my Instagram bio so that if you want to enter in any topics or questions that you'd like to hear me answer on the podcast, um, please go ahead and do that. You can also suggest a guest if there's someone that you love and you're like, this person needs to be on the show. You can add that um, through the link in my Instagram bio. So a little life update. Last night, so I'm on sort of the fence between like being woo-woo and not being woo-woo. I was raised by a bunch of hippies in California in like this tiny little town. Like all of my all of my medicine growing up, I would have a cold and they'd give me some weird homeopathic thing like out of a brown bottle. And so I grew up kind of around a lot of like woo-woo stuff. And I last night I slept really badly. I like slept really soundly until about three or four and then had this had like two hours where I just could not fall back asleep. And eventually I got up, I like did a couple things for work and then I went back to sleep. And this morning I ran into my neighbor and we were chatting and I kind of mentioned it and he was like, oh, it's because of the full moon. And I started thinking, I was like, "Ah, part of me wants to really believe that. And then the other part of me is like, I don't know about that. Like how would the moon affect my sleep? I'd love to hear from you if you listen to this. Let me know what you think because I'm really torn on this. Part of me wants to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So I think what I'm going to do now that I'm saying this out loud, I think I'm going to write like a note for myself and then check in like on the next full moon and see how my sleep is. And then maybe I can do my little own experiment there. So with that, let's jump in and talk a little bit about justifying our food choices. And so this actually came up because I was talking to a client the other day and they asked me and they're like, I had some chocolate mid-morning. Like that was okay, right? I mean, the day before I feel like I ate really well and then I had a really hard workout in the morning. So it's okay that I had some chocolate mid-morning. And this actually opened up a really insightful conversation around justifying or earning food. And so I thought it really deserved a podcast episode. And it's interesting because I used to do this myself all the time. And I'll share some of the ways that I used to do this. One of the things that we do inside the Confident Eater program, one of the practices that we work on a lot is incorporating a practice of unconditional permission to eat. And unconditional permission to eat essentially means that at any time you have full permission to choose what, when, and how much you'd like to eat. That means being able to say yes or no to any food at any time. And adopting this practice means reducing a lot of this belief of I need to earn my food or I need to get it all in now because then I'm not going to be able to have it later, which then supports overall a lot more healthful eating patterns rather than this on-off pattern that a lot of us have been in for a long time. And this is a really important shift because, again, so many of my clients, we are very similar. Even if you are not my client, if you are just someone listening, we're very similar. I spent a very long time thinking of food as a transaction. 
And I would think like, you know, I deserve to eat sweets if only I've eaten my veggies. I can have the bagel or the pancakes at brunch, but only because I'm going to the gym later. And I can order the burger and fries, but it's because it's a special occasion. And so here's the big problem is that there's two things that happen. One, when you eat the food that you justified, you're not fully present in eating it because there's always a little bit of a feeling of guilt. You will often eat a lot of it. You'll often eat either distracted or mindlessly. And then the second problem is when you inevitably want one of these foods and you can't figure out a way to justify it, you kind of feel like you're going against your best interests. And you usually end up eating a lot of it. You feel quite guilty. You wonder, why does my willpower suck so much, et cetera, et cetera. For me, anytime I had a craving for something for a very long time, I would try to find this loophole to make myself feel okay about the choice. I remember specifically, I had this thing, I, I go through like periods where I love certain foods and I rice cakes with tahini and honey and sea salt was something that I loved for a while. And I had this memory of myself, I ate like two rice cakes like that and then I remember justifying the third one being like, oh, I can eat it because I worked out today. And I didn't realize then, I didn't have the skill of pausing and recognizing that the urge to eat more will probably go away if I kind of sit with it. And I didn't actually have the, the, the power of choice to be like, hey, you know what? If I still want this tomorrow, like I'll have another one tomorrow. It's not a big deal. My food justification kind of hit its peak when I was training CrossFit. And there was this idea of on a training day, you get more carbs. And on an off day, you should eat less carbs. And so I would actually like add in extra workouts so I could eat more carbohydrates. And I started hating rest days because those were the days where I ate less carbs. And the problem with this is like I, I justify the approach by thinking, well, carbs are energy and I don't use as much energy on a rest day so I don't need the carbs. And this is actual bullshit. And it's not just because it supported a really damaging mindset around food that kept me stuck obsessing for so long, but because the reality of this issue is, yes, carbs are energy. I may not be using as much energy via my workouts on a rest day, but my body uses carbohydrates for so much more than just my workouts. My body uses carbs for brain power, recovery, cortisol regulation, sex hormones, and guess what happened? When I was really stuck in this justifying food mindset, that was part of what led to me losing my period, losing my sex drive, and even my hair thinning. And if I, I have to find a picture to show you guys on Instagram of what my hair looked like when I was in this like very strict dieting, like on and off eating food justification phase, and what my hair looks like now because it looks like a hair commercial, right? The before and after. And if you want to know a little bit more about this, ep like this era of my life, I talk about it in episode 28 if you haven't listened yet. But today, we're going to talk about why justifying food choices feels like it makes sense, right? It feels like it makes sense. But it's actually another brick in this toxic diet culture wall that keeps us from food freedom. I really, I, I was really proud of myself when I like wrote out that analogy. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, but... Basically what I think of it is, is like it's another one of the, of the tiny little things that we do day to day that keep us in this cycle of fearing food, of feeling like we need really strict rules to keep us on track. I want to talk about some key concepts regarding this topic. And the first one is dichotomous thinking. And so in psychology, dichotomous thinking is basically a fancy way to say black or white thinking, which essentially is like thinking in extremes. 
And you might do this. You might be like, I'm an all-in person. I either, you know, I'm an extreme person. And so usually you see things as having like two options, right? I either do this or I do that. And food is either good or it is bad. It is either healthy or unhealthy. If you're someone that tracks macros, you might see like high protein or high volume foods as like good macro-friendly foods and high calorie, low protein or low volume foods as kind of not macro-friendly foods. And that's another way of practicing this dichotomous thinking. And when we look at research, multiple studies suggest that these dichotomous beliefs about food and eating are linked to something called rigid dietary restraint, which in turn makes it really challenging for people to maintain a healthy weight over time. So I pulled this from a Dutch study in 2015. I believe there were about 300 participants. And there are many more that have similar results. And so basically rigid dietary restraint, which is we're going to talk about this as the diet mindset, is essentially we're trying to follow this like strict good food, bad food approach, usually to control our body weight, to control our shape. But this approach is actually associated with it being harder to maintain a healthy weight. It's associated with a lot more emotional distress. It's associated with disordered eating and even eating disorders. And dichotomous thinking is a problem because we mask it as helpful. In theory, we feel like it's easier to just think like, oh, this food is bad or unhealthy. I'm not going to eat it. But food is so much more than just calories or fuel, which means that we, when we end up labeling ourselves as good or bad for choosing these foods and driving guilt and shame around these foods, we end up eating more, not less, and feeling worse about what we eat, not better. And then dichotomous thinking is reinforced via this diet mindset, so via this dietary restraint. And a diet mindset comes from this overarching cultural belief that a smaller body is a better body. It's also a more virtuous body, right? We're more disciplined, we're more virtuous, we're better. And so by that reasoning, if I achieve a smaller body through strict dieting, I will be better, more virtuous, et cetera, et cetera. And using that same line of reasoning, I must eat good foods. I must eat healthy foods. I must eat low-calorie foods in order to achieve this better, more virtuous me. And I think you can probably tell why this cycle is a problem. And I know it's hard to get out of it. Um, This is essentially what all of my programs are built for. So I have my body image coaching program, my confident eater coaching program. These are built to help you build a more freedom-based and choice-based relationship with food in your body. Um, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but if you want more info, it's in the show notes. But I want to ask you a couple questions. How do you know if you have a diet mindset? So here are a few questions. I could go on and on with these, but I don't want this to be like an hour-long podcast. And so first, do you ever label or talk about food as being good or bad? Do you eat based mainly on how it's going to affect your weight? Do you judge yourself based on the food that you eat or the choices that you make or how much food you eat? Do you feel guilty for eating or not eating something? Do you avoid certain foods for reasons that are not medical reasons? For example, I avoided gluten for years simply because I had it in my head that gluten was unhealthy. It was going to make me fat. That's absolute bullshit. But it's something that drove a diet mindset for me for many years. Another way to ask yourself is you will often tell yourself, you know, tomorrow I'll be good. Tomorrow I'll get back on track. That is a sign of a diet mindset. You track your macros carefully and you feel uncomfortable if you can't track or if you go over your numbers. And basically, a diet mindset is one, extremely common. (laughs) Lots of us have it. 
And two, it is the driver behind our struggles with food. And we think this black or white sort of dichotomous thinking, uh, this labeling food as good or bad, this justifying our food choices, we think it helps. But if it helps, why do we keep feeling like we're constantly having to justify what we eat? Why do we keep feeling guilty? Why do we keep feeling like we are failing or like our willpower is to blame for not looking exactly how we want to look? And I want to touch on something else really briefly because this is something that's come up a lot in, in conversations is food environment. And I want to bring up the, com- the concept of food environment because yes, we generally live in a world where there is a lot of very delicious and in many cases not super nutritious food around. And you might have heard, to the, heard of this referred to as an obesogenic environment. And yes, it is true that in many cases the, the quote unquote easier option is to eat things that aren't super nutritious. They maybe taste really good, but they don't have a lot of nutritional value. And for example, here in Spain, it's a lot easier to eat a chocolate croissant than it is to find a protein-rich, more nutritionally balanced snack. But the difference is, when we adopt this practice of unconditional permission to eat, and we also learn how to really check in with ourselves and make decisions that align with our values, align with what, what is actually good for our future selves, we can choose to eat the croissant, not because you have to justify it, but because it's a choice, right? And overcoming this transactional relationship between food and my behavior, my weight, how I exercise has opened up for me so much of my life that felt off limits for a really long time. And this is why I work on this so much with my clients because it opens us up to a really full, rich life that can often feel very limited when we're stuck in this diet mindset. And it also means that we take ownership of our food choices and that ownership can be really empowering. If I choose to eat an entire pizza, I know, like I'm conscious of the fact that I'm not going to feel that great probably and I'll be like uncomfortably full. But the difference is instead of doing that and feeling like I failed, my willpower sucks, I can't believe I ate all that bad food, I can do that and say it was a choice. Maybe that choice didn't really align with how I want to feel or what my values are or what my goals are. But then I can look at, okay, cool, why did I make that choice? And I can own it and I can learn how to shift my behavior for the next time if I didn't feel great about the choice. And so I want to ask you, how many of your food choices feel like freedom? And I ask this because a lot of the time we feel like if we give ourselves freedom around food, we're just going to choose the easy option all the time. We're always going to have the extra snack. We're always going to finish off the thing in front of us. But this is where when we work on choice together in coaching, one of the important questions we ask is, how would you feel if you did that? If you said yes all the time to the extra snack, to the chocolate, to the full pizza, would you feel energized? Would you feel mentally good? Would you feel strong? Would your digestion feel good? And chances are you wouldn't feel that great. It might be really exciting at first to say yes more often to food just because you quote unquote feel like it instead of needing some reason to eat something. But if you always say yes, that is not freedom. That is another rule. And in many cases, when you adopt a practice of unconditional permission to eat and have freedom around food, the way that you eat might look fairly similar to how you eat right now. The difference will be in the extremes and how you feel around food. And here's an example from my own life. Now, having full freedom around food is I still eat a lot of veggies. I still eat, I actually eat less chicken than I used to, but I eat a decent amount of chicken. But instead of 
always cooking my veggies with no oil and always choosing the chicken breast, I now choose chicken thighs because they're way tastier. And I add olive oil to my veggies. And I feel so much more satisfied after a meal like that. So I'm actually less likely to go craving something else afterwards. When you adopt full permission around food and you stop justifying, you're probably not going to have those off-the-rails moments where you just want to eat everything because you've been keeping it off limits for weeks. And it's going to feel a lot easier engaging in your life because you won't be using so much brain space on stressing over not having a food scale on your weekend away, worrying about someone else cooking for you, or not being able to choose the healthy restaurant. And you won't be preoccupied about the donuts in the break room or the birthday cake at your friend's birthday. You will be able to choose what, how much, and when you eat that. And if this feels really far off, if I've like painted a picture that you're like, wow, this sounds great, but it's really far away, I want to encourage you to not let the fact that it feels far away to keep you stuck in a pattern that you know isn't supporting the type of life you want to live. If this kind of hit you hard, this is your sign. Send me a message. Let's chat. Hopefully I can kind of help you organize some of your thoughts around this. You can write me on Instagram and just say like, hey, let's talk about freedom. We'll, we'll try to organize some of this stuff in your head. And taking ownership of these choices is really powerful because you can decide what and how you eat based on goals and how you want to feel in your life rather than if you feel like I deserve it or I don't deserve it. And I want to talk about a couple myths that keep us stuck justifying food and then we're going to hop into some actionable tips. So one is food has no morality attached to it. The morality around food is a social construct. All foods are protein, fat, and carbohydrates in different ratios. Some foods are really high in protein, really low in carbs. Some foods are really high in fat and medium in carbs. Some have more vitamins and minerals and some have more fiber, some have less. How much of those foods you would like to eat is your choice. You can overeat on broccoli or on chocolate and both are likely going to make you feel like shit. And the morality that is attached to food is what drives this negative cycle that starts out with like, oh, I'm going to be good. Oh shit, I fucked up. Well, since I fucked up, I might as well keep going. I will get back on it tomorrow. And then you like, and then you go back to, well, I'll be good again. And the cycle starts over again. And when food is attached to morality, we make choices based on this very sort of black and white, very limiting food is fuel type metric. But when food is neutral, we can make choices based on a lot of different factors, which makes sense because as humans, we are not robots, right? Yes, there are some people that are just like, food is fuel, food is fuel. Okay, cool. We are not those people, right? We're people that choose to eat for many different reasons. And when food is neutral, that also makes it easy to say no to food. Again, the fear of practicing unconditional permission to eat is like, I'm always going to choose the unhealthy choice. I'm just going to eat and eat. But unconditional permission to eat is permission to say yes or no. So you might say, yes, I'm going to buy the Oreos. And then you can also later say, no, I don't feel like eating the Oreos now. Maybe I'll have a couple later, right? Because you know that you can choose to have them again anytime. And when food is neither good nor bad, you can make choices based on what aligns with values, with your goals, what sounds good, what is available at the moment, what will satisfy you, what gives you nutrients, what gives you joy, instead of what should I eat or what shouldn't I eat based on these good, bad uh, food rules. Which brings me to myth number two. And actually this is, I didn't phrase this as a myth. I phrased this as the truth behind the myth. You're going to, I think you're going to understand me when I say it. So truth, the more nutritious choice is not always the healthiest choice. 
And context is really, really important when it comes to food. And so I'll tell you a story about a client of mine. This client was very, she was very much, uh, when we started working together, very much stuck in like this dichotomous food is either good or bad mindset. And one day when we first started working together, she was out with her kids and she, in her head, she was like, there's going to be healthy options at this place where we're going. There weren't simply because that happens sometimes. There are no healthy options. And so she said, well, I'm not going to eat anything because there's no good food available. And the food that was available was like chicken tenders or something fried. And she was like, I'm not going to do that. Then when she got home to where she had quote unquote good food, she ate half the kitchen. And that's because sometimes we need to make choices based on what I mentioned before. What sounds good? What's available? What's going to satisfy us? What makes sense in the moment? And this is why choice is so important. When food is neither good nor bad, it is just food. You can say, I'm going to eat the sandwich because that's the choice that makes most sense in the context of where I am right now. And then you don't end up later in the day being like, oh my gosh, I'm totally starving. Or, oh, well, I can eat, you know, I skipped lunch. So now I can eat XYZ food. And so again, sometimes the more nutritious choice is not the healthiest choice. In the case of my client, the healthier choice for her would have been to eat some of the like fried chicken tenders and fries that her kids had and then not be starving when she got home later, right? So uh, next myth buster, you do not have to earn your food through exercise or movement. And in fact, our calorie counters, macro trackers, and Apple watches that tell us like how much we can earn our food through They're very shit at accuracy. The range of accuracy goes all the way up from, I think it's like 3% all the way up to like 90%. But I was looking at an article by the Stanford School of Medicine and by their calculations, even the most accurate fitness watch calculations are off by an average of 27%. And so that means that if you are using that to calculate your energy output and then justifying your food choices, you're likely doing it wrong, right? And then food labels, so the, the label, the food labels that we often use to like track our food or gauge how many calories we're eating, they're allowed to have a margin of error of up to 20%. And so the reason why tracking your data or tracking food or following a specific diet, quote unquote, works, I'm doing giant air quotes here, is because it drives you to pay attention to what you're doing and what you're eating, not because it is magic. It is simply one way of forcing you to pause and say, hey, what am I putting in my body? How am I moving? And how are those things affecting me? If you can do this and like be neutral around food, cool, awesome. But tracking often drives a lot of the dichotomous thinking that we talked about earlier and is a driver behind some of the diet mindset we mentioned, which likely like tracking data or food or continuing to follow your food rules is the thing that is holding you back, not moving you forward towards the life that you want to lead. I want to say something really important here around choice. Dieting is a choice, right? We can choose to eat foods in amounts that result in a calorie deficit and lead to fat loss. But first, to do this in a way that isn't a total mind fuck, we need neutrality. We need neutrality around food. We need neutrality around our bodies. Because if we don't get there, it's never going to feel like it's a choice. It's going to continue to feel like I have to change my body in order to accept myself. I have to lose weight before I can feel confident. I have to eat perfectly in order to feel okay about myself. 
And this is where we get stuck in this pattern of justification, good food, bad food, and diet mindset. So we're going to move you forward with some actionable tips to stop feeling the need to justify your food choices. And then at the end, I have a little homework assignment for you to try. Okay? What do you think about that? So I have five here. So first is to start calling yourself out. And this is a way to really bring in like awareness around what it is that you're currently doing because we need awareness in order to change. And so start bringing awareness to when you tell yourself this food is good or this food is bad or when you start noticing yourself wanting to justify a food choice. Ask yourself, why do I believe this to be true and how is this justification hurting me? So this is where a lot of this will come from your internalized food rules. Inside the Confident Eater, one of the exercises in our Unconditional Permission to Eat module is around how to identify your food rules and then how to strategically start challenging them. And so if you're considering the Confident Eater, this is going to be a really important step in the process to get to the point where you don't feel the need to justify your food choices. And then the step two is to allow yourself space and space in the form of a pause. I like to refer to this pause as a self-check-in because it is a moment to check in, say, what's going on with me right now? What is it that I want? This pause or this self-check-in is maybe perhaps like the single most powerful thing you can start doing to shift your behavior and the way that you think. And that is because you offer yourself space between the urge or the habit or the, or sorry, the urge or the trigger and your response. And so if you start to practice this calling yourself out, like, hey, I am justifying my craving for chocolate right now. I want you to pause. You can even set a timer if you need to. And in that pause, check in. Why would you like to eat this food? Is it just because it's really tasty and you want a taste of it? Or is there something underneath, maybe stress, frustration, something like that? And then the next step, include more foods that you used to justify on purpose to start your practice of choice. And so again, in in The Confident Eater, we talk about this in the form of food habituation, which is where you choose to incorporate previously off-limits foods more often in your diet so that you can normalize eating these foods. And so for example, if you feel like you always have to justify when you eat candy and you feel guilty when you eat candy, I would encourage you to start including candy as part of a normal meal or snack. Like having your normal meal and being like, candy is part of this meal. And then as you do this, step four, aim to see food as protein, fat, and carb choices. All food, no matter how processed it is, no matter if it comes in a package or not in a package, it's some ratio of protein, fat, and carbs. Some options are going to be more filling, some less filling, some will have more exciting taste, some are less exciting taste. All of them are valid choices. We do not need to justify them. And then the last thing is to start practicing making those choices. So when I coach clients on this, again, this is a big part of TCE, we use values as a guide. So specifically, we have two frameworks that we work on to see one framework may work better for you, another one may work better for you. The one that I find really successful with clients is my ABCD framework. It's a four-step framework that kind of helps you notice I have a choice. What choice would I like to make? How does this choice align with my values? Okay, now I'm going to do this thing. And so I talk about this also in episode 91. Um, 91 is all about values. I guess this actionable tip is two things that you can do. One, listen to episode 91. And then two, go to the show notes and get yourself on the wait list for The Confident Eater. We're opening up registration September 12th. And you're going to find out so much more about the transformation. That I hate using the word transformation. But it really is a transformation. 
it's like you become a, this different person around food and it just feels great. So homework, your homework. Next time you feel the urge to justify a food choice, pause. Pause. Take a pause. Ask yourself, do I actually feel like eating this thing? Will this thing satisfy me? How will I feel after I eat this thing? And why am I making this choice? If you're like, wow, that's a lot of questions, just ask yourself, why am I making this choice? The only question you need. And I want you to remember, all your choices are valid. And you might start to notice patterns around this. Maybe you tend to make more sugary choices when you're feeling really tired, or you make more nutritious choices earlier in the day when you have more mental energy. And with that, we're going to wrap this up and let you go on your merry way to go practice this. And if you resonate with what you hear on this podcast, whether it's this episode or this podcast in general, The Confident Eater is a program that was made for you. It's made for you to get out of that on and off dieting pattern or to get out of this diet mindset. And it's going to take you step by step towards building the skills that will support your freedom and flexibility around food. And I know this is powerful, not just because this is the sixth round of this program, but because this curriculum is based on the process that I went through to stop obsessing over food and find peace with it and then on the education that I have had over the years around nutrition around mindset around psychology and behavior change it will get you to the point where you don't feel like you ever have to track another macro you don't freak out about not having control over your meals and all of that stuff is in a curriculum and a coaching process that starts with values And values are so important because that sets the foundation for all of your choices. So these are both food choices, the way you like to live. And so this is really focused around helping you improve your relationship with food. But improving your relationship with food is improving your relationship with everything in your life. If you want more details, they're in the show notes. If you want to chat with me about this, shoot me a message on Instagram. And with that, if you love this episode and you feel like someone that you know needs to hear it, send it their way. If you want to leave a review, you can do that. If you just want to follow the podcast and listen to it and never talk to me and just listen, that's also totally cool. I love that for you. Um, I love that for you. That's not a thing that I say. Anyways, I'm going to go make myself some lunch now and I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode.